Welcome to Now Appalachia. The Appalachian region covers 13 states in the U.S. and over 25 million people call the region home. This podcast profiles the authors and publishers with connections to Appalachia and how the region influences and impacts their creative work. And now, here's your host, author and Appalachian resident, Elliot Parker. And hello, friends. We welcome you once again to another episode of Now Appalachia, which is broadcast and serviced through the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network as we continue to bring the outstanding authors and publishers with connections to Appalachia and how the region influences and impacts their works. I'm your host, Elliot Parker. It's great to have you with us today. We are talking about justice. We are talking about a new anonymous justice novel, and we're going to be featuring brand new Manhattan Assistant District Attorney Kate Stone on the program today. Kate Stone is a character who swore an oath to uphold the law, but is it time to take justice into her own hands? Kate Stone is the creation of our guest today, and the title of the book that Kate Stone debuts in is called Renegade, and our author and guest today is Nancy Allen. We're glad to have Nancy Allen with us today. She's a New York Times bestselling author, She practiced law for 15 years as an assistant Missouri attorney general and also as an assistant prosecutor in her native Ozarks. She tried over 30 jury cases during her career. She served on the faculty of Missouri State University for 15 years teaching law classes, and she is the author of the Ozarks Mystery Series. She's also co-authored a book with James Patterson, which was a New York Times bestseller named Juror Number 3 in 2018. And she also co-authored another book with him called Jailhouse Lawyer in 2021. And as we mentioned, Renegade is the first book in her anonymous justice series featuring Manhattan ADA Kate Stone. So Nancy, welcome to Now Appalachia. So delighted to have you with us today. And I am delighted to be here and greetings from the Ozarks, Elliot. Oh, so glad to have you here. Glad to have you a part uh, of the program today. And I'm so excited to Uh, talk about this new book with you and to talk about this fantastic ADA you've created uh, in Kate Stone. But before we get to her, I wanted to ask you uh, about something that we mentioned in your bio a minute ago, which is you have co-authored two books now with best-selling writer James Patterson, who everybody knows or has some inkling about. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like, co-authoring two books with him? Well, I can tell you first off that it is a pleasure and a privilege to work with the best-selling author in the world. And uh, it has been not only uh, really exciting and, and, and certainly, uh, 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 certainly a direct pathway to success, but in addition, it's been a real education to work with Jim. And um, one thing that I learned, one of the first things I learned, uh, and at this point, we are on our fourth book together. We're currently working on our fourth novel together. But um, you know that there's two kinds of writers. Uh, there's one that's called a pantser, also called an organic writer. And a pantser just writes the story by the seat of their pants. They got an idea for a book and they pick up the pen or sit down at the keyboard and start with page one, chapter one, it was a dark and stormy night. But the other kind of writer who is more exceptional and rare is an outliner. And with an outliner, they will make a total and complete outline of the plot, chapter by chapter by chapter, before they ever begin to write it. 
And Patterson is well known as being a faithful outliner. There is always a complete outline of the plot of the book, chapter by chapter, before we begin work. I was a pantser. It's a lot of fun to start a book when you're a pantser because, woo, you got your idea and off you go. But since I was working with the master with James Patterson, I uh, learned to do it along with him and to do it the Patterson way. And so now I know what it is to be an outliner. And I'll tell you, there's a distinct advantage. I told you it's a lot easier to start a book if you're uh, a pantser because off you go. Uh, because uh, uh, creating an outline is a lot of work. However, it's a whole lot easier to finish a book if you're an outliner because you never come up against the curse that all writers dread, which is writer's block. With, you know, with the organic pantser, a lot of times you will get midway through that book and you'll think, oh my gosh, what happens next? I got nothing. I don't know. And you'll get stuck. That never happens to the outliner. With the outliner, you want to know what happens next. Look at your outline. There you go. And so the outliner always gets to reach that fabulous moment <clears throat> that every writer dreams of, where you get to write the most beautiful word, uh, two words in the English language, which are the end. Very well said. Very well said. And we may have some folks listening, uh, Nancy, that are thinking, but wait a minute, writing is a solitary endeavor. It is a solo undertaking. It is you with the characters and the story and you at the computer and you kind of working through this storyline that you've created. But in this case, you're collaborating with, with another person. And I know you've done books by yourself and now you've, you've worked with James Patterson on, on some of these books. What is it like? What, what's it like when you have uh, someone else that you are sort of collaborating with as opposed to just sitting down on your own and kind of plowing through the story yourself? Uh, what is that like? Because a lot of writers don't have that experience of that intensive collaboration. They may have critique groups or, you know, writing groups that they share parts of their story with, but actually collaborating with someone on the same storyline. What, what is that like, that give and take and that, that, that work session or those work sessions like when you're working with another writer? I would tell you that two heads are better than one. And when one of those two heads is the most successful writer in the world, oh boy, that's really something. You know, a lot of people really are curious about the details of the creative partnership. But I would tell you that the creative partnership with James Patterson is kind of like the secret formula for Coca-Cola. Uh, and so I never really go into those ingredients in that secret formula for Coca-Cola because I really like to get to work helping to make Coca-Cola. And so I keep that in my heart, I do. But I would say that it has been a tremendous, tremendous endeavor to get to work with Jim and learn from him and to get to have this partnership has been absolutely incredible and I would not trade it for anything. Well, that's great. And I'm so glad that uh, 
you're, you're doing that. Glad that you're working on another book with him. And I appreciate you taking the few minutes uh, to talk to us a little bit about, about that and what, what that relationship has been like and that process of collaboration. Because again, so many of us as writers, we write alone and we, and we view it as a solo, solitary single endeavor. And it's great to hear you uh, talk about your experiences with, with working with someone else. So I, I appreciate that. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about Manhattan ADA Kate Stone, who you have created and launched uh, in this terrific new book called Renegade. And I was looking for um, a, a quote that would kind of um, encapsulate who she is as a person. And I'm going to just read a, a short snippet. It comes from uh, chapter 44. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about, about what, what we, we learn about Kate and how you've constructed her as a character, because she, she's just amazing in so many ways. But uh, at the beginning of chapter 44, th this story is told uh, in first person, so we get to see everything from Kate's perspective. Um, but you start the chapter saying this, When I saw Stephen within arm's length of me, my initial reaction was ridiculously juvenile. I beamed at him and started to lift my hand in a friendly wave. And then I remembered. He was the naysayer who threw cold water on my hard-won project on behalf of my father. Letting my hand drop, I executed a half turn and walked away from him. And, uh, you know, I know our audience hasn't necessarily read that or knows what that's referring to, but it ties into one of the things I love about Kate is that she is so smart and she is so good at remembering and recognizing kind of who is on her side and who isn't on her side and, and who has tried to do things to manipulate her for their own advances. And even when she has those humanistic moments of, uh, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to say, hi, I'm going to wave to Stephen because I recognize him. She has those moments where she thinks, oh, wait a minute. I, I can't do that because of what he has done. And we see that repeated time and time again in the, in the book. And I was wanting to, to ask you, having been a lawyer and having, you know, you know worked with judges and, and prosecutors and all of that, is, is, is that a characteristic of, of, of an ADA? Is that the kind of way they think and the way they operate? Or is that something unique you just wanted Kate Stone to have as, a, as some character traits? Kate Stone is 28 in the book. And, uh, you know, I was in my 20s when I was in the prosecutor's office. And what I really wanted to do with Kate, or one of the things I wanted to do, was I wanted to make her really, really real. Um, you know, in the thriller genre, uh, there's still lots fewer books in the thriller genre that star women as opposed to men, particularly with legal thrillers and action thrillers. And Sometimes it seems to me when you do see women starring in those thriller genres, uh, sometimes in those books, the women are always so perfectly perfect in every way. They're kind of one dimensional. Like uh, you'll have the brilliant medical examiner, the brilliant FBI agent, and they never make mistakes. And they always know just what they're doing. And they always uh, uh, do it right and, and, and have no flaws at all. And I, that wasn't the kind of character I wanted to create with Kate. With Kate Stone, I wanted to create a woman who was flawed, a woman who had feet of clay, a woman who had all kinds of human failings and, and human quirks. And, um, and so she, uh, she, she is uh, a person who does make mistakes. She's a person who stumbles. And uh, as you also know, haven't read it, Kate cusses like a sailor and drinks like a fish. Uh, but uh, even though she makes mistakes and she stumbles and she 
uh, uh, airs, she airs, she still has her heart in the right place. And I think that's very important. She is passionately dedicated to seeing justice done. She's a passionate advocate for women who have been uh, victims of crime and she wants to see justice done so much that when the justice system fails, the system that she's been so uh, committed to, uh, she believes perhaps she should take steps to see justice done outside the law. And that's where the trouble begins. Absolutely. But thank you for liking Kate, because I like her, but I like that Kate is not one of those stiff thriller uh, female protagonists who have to be terribly uh, well-behaved. I kind of liked her to uh, have um, lots of quirks. Excellent, excellent. She, she's a terrific character for those reasons. And I'm going to come back to the trouble she gets in midway through the story in just a second. But as, as the book opens up, kind of the, the big case that she is dealing with here uh, as the assistant DA uh, in the prosecutor's office is she's prosecuting a big case against a high-powered influential man named Max James, who yes. is accused of sexual assault or accused of the sexual assault of a masseuse. But one of the things we learn, one of the things Kate kind of reveals to us early on is that it never really should have went to court. She feels like the case shouldn't have gone to court, and she knew that it was a long shot to get a conviction. Why did she feel that way, and why did she go ahead and prosecute the case anyway, knowing that she had those feelings about it? Um, she, um, she knew that there were going to be weaknesses. Well, first of all, because she was going up against a defendant who was a powerful individual in, in the community, that would be true in any community, but certainly in the New York financial community. In addition, because uh, he is empowered, he had managed to uh, get to the witnesses that would have been supporting witnesses and back them off. So they ended up in a case which was kind of going to be a swearing match between the woman that he assaulted and abused and no question in Kate's mind that this occurred. She knows it happens, but she almost came down to a swearing match against a woman who was an immigrant in this case and this powerful man who is very rich and has all these resources. And they had told her in the office, you're taking a loser to trial, you are taking a loser and it's, 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 uh, uh, it's not going to work out. You are going to lose this trial. But she took it to trial because it was the right thing to do. And she lost. You know, most legal thrillers, and most of the ones I've written are co-authored. There's a trial, but it comes at the end, right? Most of the legal thrillers, the trial comes at the end. The verdict comes in. The verdict is guilty or not guilty or whatever that resolution is. The end. We, but we open Renegade with the verdict. We open Renegade with the resolution of this trial that, that um, um, is absolutely an injustice that occurred. And Kate knows she's absolutely committed to taking this to trial, even though it's gonna be a stretch. It's gonna be a hard one to win, but she believes that this crime occurred. She believes in her victim. And so she does the right thing, but she doesn't get the right result. The verdict comes back. The jury says, not guilty. And so justice has not been done. In addition, this man who assaulted uh, uh, the young masseuse, he is a serial assaulter of women. She's able to see it from the rap sheet. He's been, he's been apprehended all manner of times for assaulting women. They have never convicted him. It was time for him to go down. 
And she was the only one who was willing to take that gamble, but it didn't work out. And so here she's got a failure when she wanted so much to succeed and she thought it was so important to, uh, uh, to uh, get him convicted of a crime and he's walking again. And then as you know, he leaves the courthouse and she leaves the courthouse and they're on the sidewalk in front of the courthouse and he wants to pick a fight with her, but he picked a fight with the wrong girl because uh, in the course of the argument, uh, Kate Stone punches him out. Uh, and as it happens, everyone's got a phone anymore. So it is recorded uh, by many phones and then it hits the TV screens and then she's the one in trouble. And her boss, her, the district attorney says, you can't do this. And instead of me firing you, I'm going to send you to uh, anger management classes. And that's where we yes. kind of get into the, to the second act of the book. And I wanted to ask yes. you about that because after one of those classes, which Kate doesn't really feel like she needs to go to or really wants to go to, but she's trying to keep her job and stay in the good graces of the boss, yes. but she goes and uh, she meets a man named Steven after class, after one of the classes and he sort of invites her to go to another meeting. And in this meeting, they meet people who have been wronged by the justice system or wronged by the law enforcement system in some way. And they decide to take justice into their own hands. Can you tell us a little bit about what Kate feels and observes in that first meeting? And when she, deci when she decides to make the decision, I'm going to kind of follow this group and, and, and kind of go along with them. What, what is that whole scene like? I thought that was one of the most interesting uh, and powerful scenes in the book. So Kate goes to this first, uh, well, first she goes to a support group meeting that's anger management and she's not very impressed and it's not for her. And as you said, Stephen invites her to a different support group meeting, one that he thinks she's going to find more meaningful. And so she shows up for it. And um, it turns out that it is a circle of people who have all manner of issues. Um, but as you said, what these people want to do, they have all been wronged by the justice system and they want to right wrongs, to correct injustices, but they want to do it outside of the law, outside of the courts, outside of criminal justice. And she thinks they're crazy. She thinks she has fallen in with a bunch of nuts, a bunch of, 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 of wannabe vigilantes who are wanting to take the law into their own hands. She thinks it's crazy. Uh, she is not interested in this group of outlaws and she can't get out of there fast enough. We are speaking with author Nancy Allen. She is the New York Times number one best-selling author of a number of books, and she has co-authored two books with uh, best-selling uh, internationally known author James Patterson, but we're talking with her today about her new book. It's the first book in a series, an anonymous justice novel called Renegade, and it features Manhattan ADA Kate Stone. And Nancy, we'll come back to uh, the book uh, in just a second because there's so much more to talk about, but I wanted to ask you, what made you decide to step away from law? And do you miss it at all? Or are you glad with kind of this new chapter in your life where you're writing and doing other things? You know, my professional journey, my path has not been a straight line. I always thought it would be, but it hasn't been. You know, uh, I'm old. I was born in 1956. And so uh, when I was growing up in Missouri, the law was a man's profession. Never occurred to me that I practiced law, but when I went to undergrad, the law had just started to open up. There, the door had just cracked open for women to enter into it. So I went to law school, 
after I graduated from undergrad. And then I got out of law school, December 1980, and I came back to my own hometown, which is Springfield, Missouri, the queen city of the Ozarks. And I was one of the first handful of women that practiced law in the southern half of Missouri. And I was the only one in felony prosecution. Because when I came back, I went into the county prosecutor's office. And since I was the only woman, they handed me all these cases uh, where women and children were victims of crime. So the cases I was handling, and I'm 25, fresh out of school, and I'm handling rape cases, uh, uh, domestic violence, um, abduction of women, uh, uh, child abuse, and incest, because this is uh, not even a horrible secret. It's something everybody knows around here. Uh, our part of the Ozarks has the highest rate of sex crimes involving children in the state of Missouri, and Missouri is one of the top of the nation. So I'm 25 years old and handling these terrible cases and seeing my community the seamy underbelly of it through a magnifying glass for the first time. Uh, and one thing that happened, I was already a feminist. I was a feminist long before it was cool around here, I promise you. But I became a passionate advocate for women who have been victims of crime. And uh, that was true uh, starting in uh, 1981 and it continues to this day. And, uh, but another thing that happened when I was so young and I was handling those terrible cases, I did think even in my twenties, I ought to write a book about it. I ought to write a book about it. Not because people should find it entertaining, not that at all, but I thought I should write a book about it because novels can inform. And I thought that it would be important to write a book so that people could see the kinds of obstacles that women face when they are seeking justice um, uh, from our courts and, and, and to see uh, the obstacles and the hardships that they will encounter when they want to obtain justice. And so uh, didn't, uh, didn't pick up the pen to write that book uh, for another 30 years because I practiced law for 15 years. Um, and then at the age of 40, I had a late in life child and they put me to bed and I thought, I'll stay home for a while. When Martha was in second grade, I got a call from Missouri State University. They wanted me to come over and teach law. So I went and I taught law classes over there for 15 years and I loved it. I loved the classroom. But um, I was in my 50s and I was thinking, well, if I'm ever going to write that book, I think it's going to be now or never. And I picked up the pen and the first book I wrote was The Code of the Hills, which is uh, about uh, about prosecuting attorney in the Ozarks who handles a terrible incest case where a man has been raping his daughters. And uh, uh, that was uh, picked up by HarperCollins, became the Ozarks Mystery Series at HarperCollins. And then I started working with James Patterson and we wrote legal thrillers that we set in the South. And then um, I had this opportunity to uh, write a book about a district attorney in New York City who was trying to fight the good fight for women. So um, March 22nd of this year, Renegade comes out and I will have published eight books in the past eight years, all legal thrillers um, and, and mostly about women who have uh, uh, 
uh, seeking justice for crimes against women in our legal system in the United States. But it's been really a pretty groovy adventure and I wouldn't change any of it because the courtroom, I, 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 I love the courtroom experience. It was so great for that portion of my life, but I don't regret any of the time that I spent home just dedicated to my family and then moving into the academic world, I loved the classroom experience with those students at Missouri State more than I could tell you. But to end up with the icing on the cake at 65, to be um, an author who's published by two of the three big houses, uh, two, I beg your pardon, two of the five big houses in New York City is, uh, is pretty amazing. And I am enjoying every minute of it. So taking yourself aside, not counting yourself and not counting James Patterson, if someone is new to legal thrillers or they think they want to get into this or read a little bit more about this, who would you say is one of the best legal thriller writers today? Who is someone that a reader should pick up if they want to get into this, this subgenre? Who should they be reading? Who do you think is one of the best writing right now? And you know, you know the answer I'm going to give. Of course it's John Grisham. Of course it is. He is the king, without a doubt, and I salute you. I salute you, Grisham. Um, I and, and here's why. Well, and he's a good writer, but but the magic with Grisham is that uh, John Grisham had the trial experience. He was a trial lawyer. Now I'm not going to say that you can't write a legal thriller unless you have been a trial lawyer who's had the trial experience in the courts of law, but my word, it certainly does add to the authenticity. And as a reader who is a trial lawyer, boy, can I tell the difference between people who had that experience and are, and, and, and are telling the story versus people who didn't and are trying to make it up as they go along. Um, Grisham is able to tell the tale because he lived it. And boy, does he do a bang up job. Um, so, so he's king. He's king of the uh, legal thriller. And of course, Patterson is king of thrillers in general. And Dan Ladrell, who uh, wrote, uh, who um, is our, uh, 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 he's our uh, hillbilly noir author, uh, Daniel Ladrell from West Plains, and he wrote Winter's Bone. So he's the king of hillbilly noir. And Patterson's king in general. And Grisham is king of the legal thriller. All I want, Elliot, I just want to be queen. I want to be queen <laughs> of the hillbilly noir legal thriller. That's all I ask. Although I am spreading my wings with Renegade and have set it in New York City, which um, has been a ton of fun. But yeah, it was a little bit of a challenge. Nancy Allen is our guest here today on Now Appalachia. Her new book is called Renegade featuring Manhattan Assistant District Attorney Kate Stone. And uh, I wanted to go back, Nancy, to, to, to Kate for just a minute. Um, one of the things I loved about the book, too, is in addition to uh, Kate getting involved in, in Stephen's group, this sort of vigilante justice yes. group, she's dealing with some family issues. She's got yes. a father uh, who uh, committed suicide. She's investigating the death of him, although she seems to think it wasn't suicide. And then she's got this overbearing mother on the other side who is yes. trying to control her life and, and all of that. Uh, can you talk about how Kate 
sort of maneuvers through that. In addition to everything else she's got going on, she's got this familial problem, uh, both her, her, her father who's, who's dead, but also her mother. How does she navigate all of that and keep it all together and, and sort of keep her head straight uh, with all of that going on? And I did want to, I wanted to weave this fabric that, that showed who the whole person was. So yeah, she's got her job and her job isn't always going well. In fact, uh, she's got lots of uh, obstacles on, on the job. And then she has this case and she is wanting very much to find justice in this case. But she's also a person who has uh, family relations. And, uh, and so we have her father, uh, she's still... Uh, grieving his suicide, except she doesn't think it was a suicide and she wants to get to the bottom of that. Her mother is a defense attorney in New Jersey and she also has a brother, Leo. And her mother is an overbearing woman, I think you could say. And so they got this mother-daughter struggle that's going on because her mother wants to tell her what to do and she wants to do the opposite of what her mother says. But I think that the relationship that I portray in that book, I think it's not that uncommon. It is the mother-daughter struggle and it is the adult wanting to tell the child what to do. And the child saying, I am 28 and I don't have to do anything you say. And even when her mother is right, Elliot, Kate will do the opposite because that's really kind of how it goes. And then the brother, I really, I, I love the character of the brother, poor Leo, who is uh, always kind of beaten down and, and, and does in fact do whatever the mother says. Um, but I wanted to show that Kate didn't just uh, pop out of nowhere. Kate comes from family circle and the family circle is all, well, also involved in the story and in her life and in uh, what her journey is as well. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to convey that as well. And her family was a lot of fun to write, by the way. So as we finish up uh, with you today, Nancy, uh, I, I don't want to give away the ending, but I'll just say that you have set us up for some future Kate Stone novels, I think, in the future, uh, based on how things end. So uh, as we finish up, can you tell us a little bit about that, uh, where you are in possibly creating a, a series uh, with her, and then how can readers get in contact with you, and where can they get copies of Renegade? Uh, I am currently at work on the sequel because, Elliot, it will come, uh, uh, it's going to be no surprise to you to know that Kate Stone can get into more trouble. I mean, like, uh, she just finds it like uh, nobody's business, just trips over it in the street. So Kate is already having another adventure uh, back in jeopardy again. Um, and uh, uh, so I'm working on the sequel um, in addition. Anyone who uh, wants to know more about the books um, or about my writing or about anything I've done, I have a website and it is www.nancyallenbooks.com. So you can certainly look at that. I'm available on Facebook and on Facebook, you can find me at Nancy Allen Author. I've also got, I've got a Twitter account. And uh, that would be uh, the Nancy Allen on Twitter. Um, and as far as how you can get a hold of Renegade, I believe it's going to be available wherever books are sold. So um, it, it will certainly be available at um, 
at uh, booksellers such as Barnes and Noble. I believe you're going to be able to find it uh, in some indie stores, and I hope so. And also, oh God, I love Sam's and Walmart. They have got to have Renegade on hand too. And of course, you can always get it online from the online uh, vendors such as Amazon. We have been delighted to have as our guest today on this episode of Now Appalachia, New York Times number one bestselling author, Nancy Allen, and her new book is called Renegade. It's an anonymous justice novel. It's the first in what I think is going to be an outstanding series of books that you're going to want to check out featuring Manhattan Assistant District Attorney Kate Stone. Not only that, but is she a strong woman, but the supporting characters uh, in this particular book and going forward are a unique, interesting group that you're going to want to follow. Nancy practiced law for 15 years as Assistant Missouri Attorney General and Assistant Prosecutor in her native Ozarks, trying over 30 jersey, uh, jury, jury cases. And she also uh, has co-authored a couple of books with James Patterson, and that, yes, that James Patterson, and she is working on another one. Nancy, congratulations on this great new book, uh, and congratulations on this great new character that we're all going to keep an eye on and want to follow in Kate Stone. And we appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for the conversation today. Thank you so much, Elliot. You have a great day. We want to take a moment as we finish up on this episode of Now Appalachia to give a special shout out to the executive producer of our program, as well as the executive producer of all of the podcasts that you hear on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Her name is Pam Stack. We appreciate all that she does uh, to make these podcasts possible for your listening pleasure. We also want to remind you that this is a copyrighted podcast that is owned and operated by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. That is going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia, but please come again next time. And in the meantime, stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. For questions or comments about this program, and to learn more about the host, Elliot Parker, and his books, visit his website at www.elliotparker.com. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.